The following content is provided under a Creative Commons license. Your support will help MIT OpenCourseWare continue to offer high-quality educational resources for free. To make a donation or view additional materials from hundreds of MIT courses, visit MIT OpenCourseWare at ocw.mit.edu. Okay, um, most everyone's here. Um, we're still going to take a few minutes to wait for the last um, few people to show up. Um, I don't have a ton of announcements, but if you looked at the syllabus, you might notice that there are a couple days where we have, I think we've got TBD as the topic, like to be determined. Um, what I'd like to do is just take a quick poll um, from you all. Is there anything that you are interested in learning about in the creation of video games that you either, we haven't talked about it in class yet, maybe we've talked about it but not fully, um, you've looked at the syllabus and, it, and it's not there on the syllabus? Um, so any specific, and it, and, or it's something that you think is going to be directly useful for the games that you're working on right now. So just putting that out there, if there are any topics you might want to talk about, learn about, let me know. Yes? Um, okay, so yeah. Cool. So, what do people do in the industry? Cool. You are in luck. On December first and third, on the first, we're having a business and games um, panel. So, two um, two independent developers in the area are going to come by and talk about um, how they started their companies, what do they do, what's their daily life, things like that. And then another one following that is um, the community manager for Firehose Games. Um, Sean Baptiste is going to talk to us about how, does he get, how do they get their games out in the world and how do they get people to play their games? Um, and how do they engage their, their, their fan base? And how do, they, how do they even just create a fan base in general? Uh, so that's not on the syllabus, but that will be. We will be doing that. Any other topics? Okay. I want to ask this again in a couple weeks um, in case something pops up, because you probably haven't done a lot of technical things with your, um, with your game engines yet. Um, so if there's anything game engine specific that you might want to know about, um, either let us know through the mail, through the Video Game Bosses um, email address, or let us know at class. Yeah? Who would be giving these lectures? Like, is this open to, can you get new I can get people, so I can, I can get people who are um, local. Um, we've got connections to local industry. Um, we've got connections to the people who make the tools, in some cases, depending on the tool. That's kind of why I'm asking now, because it gives me time to, 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 find new, to, to fill new gaps. Uh, also, it might be something that we can talk to. Um, so if there's anything design-related that you think is useful for your, for your games that we haven't talked about yet, um, and you don't see it on the schedule, let us know. Um, if there's anything technical-related, um, Drew can, can, can come up and, and say something. The other thing we can do is if there's anything that you want to do, or if you want to set up office hours, in class um, to talk about a certain topic for your, for your, um, for your game, specifically technical issues, technical questions. Um, that's what Drew is here for, to, to come and talk to you, to talk with your group as a whole, or just individual members of your group to talk about the issues that you have. So we can do that during class, during our scheduled one and a half to two hour um, working class periods, or um, you can set up work uh, office hours with him. Okay. Um, just give people a couple more minutes. The attendance sheet is moving around. Um, so, is everybody sitting with their teams right now? Does it look like? 
Can we just show, I'm gonna go across and just kind of try to figure out which of these teams are. So this is the SNAP team. Is everyone here? Two, okay. Uh, which team, this is forecast-based futures over here, right? How far do you go? All right, John, are you in this team or are you in the next team? Cool, all right. Next team over, which team are you? Cholera, no. You're a cholera team? Were you the um, island group? Animal Crossing one, cool. Um, and then in the front here, we've got Heat Wave, and in the back, it's the other cholera group. Okay, um, I did not get a chance to play your game, so, but I will, eventually. Um, cool, so there's gonna be a little bit of interact interactivity in the talk. Um, I've given this talk before. Um, I rewrote the lectures, and I haven't given it since I rewrote the lecture, so we'll see how it goes. They're my backup to let me know if I forgot anything. Um, there will be some reading on this that I'm gonna put into Stellar, so if you are um, interested in the topic, if, you're, if you have more interest in the topic and you want to read the reading, um, I highly recommend it, especially if you think you're gonna be in a leadership position in the future, or any kind of managerial position, or you're interested in just psychology and how people talk to each other and work together. Um, so our three main topics, um, this will actually be pretty quick on this lecture. Um, we're gonna talk about, we're gonna do a really quick review of Agile. Um, we're gonna talk about team dynamics, and then we're gonna talk about how do distributed Agile teams perform? So what are some of the, the best practices they have uh, for performing? And then you're gonna work in class. Um, you'll have at least two hours to work in class today, if not a little bit more than that. So, Agile processes. If you forget everything in this class, you end the class, you go out into the, into the real world, and, you, and somebody asks you, what is Agile? Um, I hope you remember this part. Um, iterative development. Is anybody doing does anybody consider what they're doing iterative develop, development on their projects right now? Are you working in short periods of time? So you've broken up your time into small sprints. Are you doing all, you can't really read it that well in the slide, um, but are you within that short period of time designing what you're gonna work on, planning how, to, how it's gonna work, doing it, and then testing it, evaluating the test and changing? Are you doing all of that within one week or, or two week cycle? Raise your hands, yay, raise your hands. So, yes, raise your hands. No, raise your hands. It's okay if you say no. Okay. Um, if, you, if you're doing something that looks like this, then great. Um, and as, as remember, um, Agile, in particular Scrum processes, um, they're based on these three pillars that, um, that Sarah talked about when we first brought this up. Um, so, the pillar of transparency, um, and what we mean by transparency there, we really just mean a common nomenclature. I, to be honest, I don't care what you call the things that you, that you, that you use as part of your process in your, in your team. So long as everyone within the team knows what it is, so, so long as whoever you're submitting those, those um, processes to also know, it, know who it is. So we're not acting as your product owners in the class, but if you had a product owner, they should also know what you're calling things, what you're calling your product backlog, what you're calling a task, um, how you're estimating and how you're doing your processes. So everyone on the team should know it, not just in a more traditional manner, a project manager knowing what, what all the processes are. Uh, there's a number of inspection that's going on. So um, through the process, you are taking a look at all the artifacts that you created. So those backlog items, um, task lists, things like that that you're creating during the process. Um, you're inspecting it, and, you're, and in particular, you're inspecting it during meetings. So you're taking a look at what you've done in a meeting and talking about it. So you're not just doing a process, you're doing a process, and you're talking about it, and you're actively thinking about the process. And then you're adapting. So based on evidence, um, based on um, needs, 
ch uh, changes in needs, you are changing that process. Again, if you're doing any one of these three things, you're doing process as well, uh, and you're doing agile. You're, you're doing some form of agile-like process. Um, that's another thing I hope you, hope you take from the class. Um, the Agile Manifesto, and it's kind of a, it is a manifesto, it is an idea, it is a, um, it is something that has some political weight behind it, it is saying this is the way to do things, this is the right way to do things. Um, but it's actually more vague than that. It's really just saying here are some four key things that we feel are more important than other four key things. Um, and today we're going to focus, so the first, the first item is individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So we've been talking to you a lot about process and tools uh, for the first part of the semester. Now we're going to talk about individuals um, and, and interactions between individuals. So your team members. All right, what's a team? Anybody give me a working definition for what you'd call a team? What'd you say? A bunch of puppies. Is it a group of people? Is it just a group of people? Anything else? So it's a collection of individuals, so it's a group of people. They're working toward a common purpose. They have shared responsibility for common outcomes. If one of those puppies trips, that stick goes in another puppy's mouth and it hurts a lot. Um, so that, and, I, and I want you to, to, to keep that in mind. Shared responsibility, common purpose, common outcome. All right, so um, teams evolve over time and um, the, the little bit of research I'm going to talk about actually comes from um, uh, studying group behaviors, but in the, and this is all from about the 1960s and on up, um, and around the 2000s, and I'll post this reading up, um, it was proven, or it was, there was some studies showing that this actually works for teams. This does work for, for people who have a common goal. But as you get a bunch of people together, and you get a small group of people together, and in our terms, we're calling a small group of people um, eight to 10 people, um, maybe a little bit bigger, but about 10 people total. Um, they're going to evolve based on those interpersonal relationships, so how they know each other, what they talk about, how they talk about, and their task behaviors. So we're going to be talking about not the tasks that are do you are doing in your teams, but the behaviors surrounding the tasks that you're doing it. So um, if you are working on a task, if you are doing some coding, how are you coding, or who are you coding with, how are you talking to other people about what you're coding? And you can apply that to any other ta any, uh, any task that you're doing um, in, in your teams. There's a lot of different theories. Um, actually, Wikipedia is a pretty good, um, just a good nutshell of, of what are all the different kinds of theories um, and how different kind of models we can use to describe how groups talk to each other and how groups evolve. Um, but they all come down to these common things. There's a period of getting to know each other. Um, there's a period of experiencing conflict. And there's both positive and negative conflict when you're talking with each other. Your roles shift based on changing knowledge and changing experience. And hopefully, at some point, there's some kind of consensus. There's some kind of moving forward. Decisions happen here. Uh, the point is, though, what kind of decisions get made? Are they effective decisions? Um, or are they ineffective, unproven? They get made because you just have to, have to make them and you have to move on. Um, and what we're hoping is that by analyzing how your teams work, you can then move towards having some effective decision, decision making. Um, so, one, so the model that we're going to talk about um, is Tuckman's model from 65. It's got four phases, um, forming, norming, storming, performing. It's very cutesy. You get, it gets used in training sessions a lot. Um, it can just be something that you can just spit out and say, and someone says, oh, you're smart. You know that, that, that model, but maybe you don't know everything behind it. Um, I might be more in the 
you're smart, but maybe you don't know more everything behind it. I'm still learning about uh, how all this works. Um, but each phase has items you, are, you can identify. And more useful for us is this is a model you can use to figure out where your team is right now. Um, what phase are you in? So you can then make decisions about where you need to go and how you need to work together better. So um, the forming uh, phase of it, this is when you first start getting together. Everyone wants to be friendly. Um, everyone wants to get along, to be accepted with each other. Um, there might be some serious problems from the get-go, but they're usually avoided. Um, and the team learns about challenges and goals, but not much gets done. Um, there's no real task completion going on in this stage. Um, has everybody seen this? Can, when you think about your previous teams, you've been in this stage, right? When you first got together? So t project two, project three, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna ask you some questions about projects two and three as we go forward. All right, that's a happy stage. Then storming happens. People are able to express discontent. There actually might have been discontent in phase one, but it actually wasn't being, it wasn't being expressed in some form. In phase two, it's being expressed. But how it's being ex expressed can be kind of different. So it could be someone actively saying, no, you're wrong, that's stupid. Um, it could be someone not talking, but they're feeling the same thing and they're thinking about the same thing. It's the same kind of discontent happen. Um, opinions tend to get challenged. Um, it can be contentious, it can be unpleasant. Um, in order to advance past this stage, what your team really needs is tolerance and patience um, just to kind of get through it. But even more important, you need to establish lines of trust and open communication to get through this stage. And this is, where, this is what we've been doing for the past first of the semester, is creating processes. We've been giving you some tools that you can use, so then you can then create those processes in your teams. So just a quick hand raise from teams. Um, does anybody think that they are in this stage right now? Do you think in your team you are currently you're expressing discontent, you are creating processes, you don't have processes yet, but you're figuring out what your processes might be? Maybe, what do you say? You're not sure? Okay, all right. Um, next up, norming. So this is where you have those processes. Um, individuals start giving up their own ideas and goals. You're, moving, you're actually moving towards a team goal right now and people are starting to take responsibility and rules are established. Okay, comparing storming to norming, raise your hands if you think you're in norming, your team is in norming right now. Okay, yeah. All right, now raise your hands if you think your team is in storming right now. Okay. Um, all right, so is anybody performing? Are you functioning as a unit efficiently? Are your team members already autonomous? Is dissent expected and addressed right now? This is where you want to get to. You probably aren't this far yet. My bets are probably somewhere in the, in the storming area of things, maybe getting close to the norming area of things. Basically, you're still, trying to, you're still talking to each other. You're still trying to figure out what are the, the different ways of communicating with each other, um, what are the, the different um, processes and rules you might have. And you might not get this far uh, in, cla in class. By the end of the semester, you might not be uh, fully efficient by the, end of the, by the end of the class, and that's okay. But if you are, it's kind of cool. So um, the model in practice tends to be, it's nonlinear. It gets talked about, and it was originally um, established as a, you go from here to here to here to here 
You go through the phases. At the end of the thing, you're done. Your team's awesome. Go you. Um, what we actually see in process is that teams tend to, they get in the forming, they go in the circle where they go from, from having some issues, figuring out how to, how to deal with those issues, establish some rules, all right, we're doing really well again, new challenge comes up, we're back into, we're back into storming. We're, we, we are, we've put ourselves in a position where we don't know how to talk to each other or we don't know how to communicate with each other. So there's some problems with the, with the model. This is really a, a descriptive model. It's a, way, it's a tool for us to use to see how things are going. It's basically a way to evaluate symptoms. Um, but there's no triggers in the model. We don't know when those things happen. When does, it, when does your team switch from storming to norming? So this is what I'd like you to do in your, in your teams. Just take a couple minutes. Talk about, um, talk about your previous teams you've been on. Talk about the team you're on now. When do you think your team would move from stage to stage? And how could a team move intentionally? So, and in particular, think about that storming to norming part of it. So what is it going to take for your team right now, or what happened in your team right now, to go from we are having some, some difficulty talking with each other, we're, we're, we have a bunch of opinions, to we're on the, on the same page? Take three minutes. Just, just one thing I want to chime in. There's a very, very good chance that your team actually is still in forming stage. And one of the reasons why no one, like a, a very few of you might have put up your hands that you don't actually want to express dissent, which is exactly the situation that you get in a forming stage. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it is un uncomfortable, but hopefully there you can logically see the benefits of being in a team where you can talk about the things that you disagree with, right? So, um, so it's possible that you are still informing and you know, it's good to identify your team as, okay, this is normal ev evolution of a team and that's where our team is at right now. So talk about it among your team. So take three minutes, just talk in your teams, and then I'm going to ask you some questions when we're done. Okay. So each group, give me a, something you talked about, about what are, the, what are the triggers, what are the things you saw as you moved. Just let me know which phases you're talking about. So go ahead. Uh, so we have Jasper to um, okay. How do you know? Or what's the what caused that? What caused you to get there? Do you think? All right, so it's big decisions. How big are those two teams? Four and four? OK. So somebody else next. A trigger that you saw that, that made you go from one stage to the other. Um, I think 
where that uh, trigger was solidifying our game, or working on solidifying our game idea because at this point, while we all recognize that we want to build a game as a team, we all have different ideas of what this game should be. And as we are solidifying our game, we're also getting ourselves in line with like, what we're actually doing and how we're going to make it happen. Okay. So do you, do you think that the task of solidifying the game idea is helping you because there's this big decision you have to make, is that helping you move, like work as a team? It's not getting in your way? I think it's the fact that like, as we're doing this, we have a lot of, we don't like have this sort of like, you know, conflict in our team where people were shouting out different ideas and like trying to work through it. And at first we weren't doing the best job of like getting those ideas and working through them. But I see that now we're doing a much better job of understanding each other and like seeing how it fits into the bigger picture. Okay. Next team, a triggering moment that you saw in this team or previous teams. So we had a bigger colleague team at first, and I think that having the silence split up um, was the way that helped us jump from storming to storming. Um, because we needed to sort of storm to get our team to get two different ideas. Um, so there are conflicting uh, ideas in terms of where our game would go in the brainstorming session. So it's basically just it's reducing the number of opinions, really, right? And then that was purely through people. <laughs> so with our game, I think getting us to norming was really, they talked about assigning uh, tasks, mm -hmm. but also just the accountability aspect, because instead of spending time arguing, we already kind of have a designated person or a couple of people So that's like certain people have different like they own some subtasks or their own sub roles. Yeah. Okay. Cool. In the back, what do you think? Yeah. So I guess what got us over to storming was meeting together as a team to make design decisions, or sort of like what has been said there. Uh -huh. And I think that the next step for bringing us over to norming would be like actually getting everyone to participate in design decisions because like. People have both not shown up and not particularly shown interest in getting things going. So okay. getting everyone on board, even. All right, that's a so that's a big one. That's a that's a huge difficulty with um, especially with student projects. You've got all these other things going on around you. Um, do you think you need everyone to contribute to the design, or do you need everyone to be on board with the design? Uh, so. I understand like some people just are, are less interested in having deep discussions about the design of the game, but getting everyone to both be aware and willing to participate when they need to. Okay. Because yeah, there's, there's important conversations being done that if they're not a, there when it happens, they're not going to know where the status of the game is. Yeah, and they just need to be like willing to participate. Like if they're not there, take the step of, oh, what you guys talk about, I'm interested in knowing I want to. Okay, cool. Thank you for that lead because that gets us to our next stage. So um, we're talking like we're talking kind of. I think we find ourselves talking a lot about the um, the product that we're making. It's just easier. It's the thing. It's that it's that hard evidence like that hard thing you can see. Like it's being made. It's being done. Um, it's we can play it. It means we're, we're probably doing something right. Um, but it's still very difficult still to talk about the people 
Um, although I saw being talking with the people a little bit here, especially with accountability um, and in this one. It was good. Cool. Um, so that, that gets, brings me to the next topic. Teams are composed of individuals, and each person on your team is going to have a lot of different factors affecting what they do, how they do it, when they do it. Um, I can't give you the magic formula to, to get them motivated. Uh, what I can do is show you some of the different ways that you can then try to, to, to either understand the people you're with, understand the people on your team, or, or find things to talk to them about. You might uh, notice a number of these things. So to get someone who's motivated, someone who's going to be able to participate, um, think about all these things. Think about personal development. Um, so you're in a class, you were here hopefully because you want to learn. Um, you want to learn a new skill, you want to try a new skill. Everyone wants to learn a new skill. There might be a skill that they want to work on on your team. And I think we've talked about that in the past when we were talking about the vision statement and people putting down why they're involved on the team and why they're involved on this project. So being aware of that and constantly coming back to that for each person, especially if, you're, if you have someone on your team who's, who is just not participating and you need to figure out um, how to engage them, think about the skills that they want to bring to the table, the skills they're trying to practice. Uh, when it comes to motivation, um, it largely comes down to intrinsic or extrinsic. Uh, the, in the extrinsic might be the grade they're going to get, um, but it's really difficult to, um, to really hone in on that because the grade's shared between your group. So that might be not be the place to look at. Um, try to take a look at the intrinsic things. What are the things that, if they, were if they had enthusiasms about the project at some point, um, try to remember what that was. Um, ask somebody else on your team what, what that might have been. See if you can bring those enth that enthusiasm back into the project. Um, morale or self-worth. Um, there's been some research that shows that the reason why people work well on teams and the reason why we want to work on teams is because it brings, self it, it brings us self-worth. Um, there is, and in particular, there's some self-awareness that can happen um, by being on a team and getting, um, and actually kind of links a little bit to, to extrinsic rewards, by getting rewarded, getting feedback um, on my performance is going to help me do better. Um, empowerment, um, giving ownership. So raise your hands if your team uses assigning tasks or taking tasks. So assigning tasks, raise your hand. If your team assigns tasks to individuals. That team? Kinda? Yeah? You assign, so there's one person on your team that says you are going to do this. All right. Has anybody tried ownership, where someone takes a task from a set of tasks that are available? Little? Little? When does that work? When does ownership work? What's that? So there's, there's, some, there's some of those other things. That there's some enthusiasm over it. Over it. Yeah? Okay, cool. So yeah. Yep. Um, my experience has been kind of that it's like it's good if you can volunteer for the tasks that they're enthusiastic about, but then if nobody will volunteer to do something that needs to be done and so on, I just have to say, okay, you're going to do this. Absolutely. It's kind of like a hybrid approach. Okay. So where does, um, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. So there's some. Okay. 
So, yeah, so at the beginning, um, everybody takes on tasks, and at the end, when you have the leftovers, um, they get assigned. Yeah, Matt? So it might not, yeah, so you might actually have ownership. It might look like you had ownership. There is the evidence of ownership in that someone said, okay, I'll take that task. But there's no, there's no follow through. There's no commitment. And that gets to the next one, commitment. Um, the best way to have commitment on your team is for one person to be committed, to express that commitment, to express that loyalty, for everyone else to see that loyalty and see that commitment. And then hopefully they pick up the ball and they're like, okay, I'm gonna be committed too. If that second person doesn't do that, pick it up, then the chain it doesn't travel through the chain, it just doesn't happen. Even though that one person went out of their way to, to show that kind of sacrifice, it just didn't get picked up. Um, so maybe think about, is that, do, you, do you see that chain happening on your, on your teams? Do you see it breaking? Can you identify where that breaking point is and can you think about ways to, to, to fix that? Um, trust is a big one. Um, how many, so raise your hands if you have worked with the majority of the people on your team before, in some fashion, this class or other classes. You, you feel like you know your teammates. Like raise your hands if you feel like you really know your teammates, you've worked with them before. Hi, if you really think so. So one, two, maybe, one, two, three. So think about how well you know each other. Think about ways you can figure out how you can know each other better. Um, Social interactions, going out to coffee, going out for lunch, things like that. Is there something that you can do that will help that kind of, that kind of thing hap happen? And then here's the big one. This is the MIT one, stress. Uh, and stress tends to be the, the negative. It can be positive in that it's the end of the project and it's due and you just need to get things done. And that can, be, that can lead to crunch. But then there's also the huge negative aspect of stress. And that's, a very, that's very much an external factor for the most part. Um, it could be an internal factor. If, if, stress is in, if there's some stress being caused by internal um, things going on with your team, it's likely related to one of the ones above it. Um, so, yeah, so one way to think about um, these, th these three, uh, one, two, three, seven things, um, you can think of them as in terms of the desirability to learn new skills or the desirability to take on a task. Um, so if you're trying to come up with strategies within your team on how to, how to solve some of these problems, think of it in those two terms. All right, so how do distributed teams perform? Um, so what do I mean by distributed? What is a distributed team? Yeah. Yeah, or just everyone's all over the place. It could mean that you are in Singapore and someone else is in Ohio. Um, you could be separated by time zones, by oceans. Um, by, and really I think that might be East Campus and McGregor maybe. Um, it could just be through distance, it could be through your schools, it could be through your departments, your majors, whatnot. Um, there's some kind of boundaries going on between people. Um, in this case, it's, li it's largely time. Um, it's basically, some people can work during some hours, some people can't, can't work during those, hour, those other hours. So what have you done so far to, to, to fix that? I think back on some of the postmortems you've given us. What are some of the strategies you've already used and seen used to, to figure out how to work in, in across different time, time periods? Yeah? Um, well, right now, we're 
What's it called? Slack. It's like Clodoc. It's like what? Clodoc. What's that? It's group instant messaging. Yeah. Yay. Exactly. And it keeps track of all our small tasks and also Cool. Anybody else using a group IM or an IRC chat? Yeah? Okay. It's great when it, has, when it can hook up to things and it works with your workflow. It's also just great to have, just period. If you don't use any of those, maybe think about Skype. Any other things people use? Yeah. reporting. I remember some people had issues with email on previous teams. Is anybody still using email as a primary means of communication on your team? How's it working for y'all so far? Yeah. Yep. Um, are those emails going to be archived and viewable by everyone at a later date? Uh, and I think that's why we tend to, to think about um, group IMs, and particularly um, Philip likes IRC. For that very reason, certain IRC servers will, will keep an archive for you. Um, other kinds of groupware will do that too, but they tend to be pricey. Um, is anybody still using, has anybody started using Trello on your teams yet? Yeah? Are you using it as a communication method or as a recording of things? Okay. Anybody using that as a communication method at all? Trying that out? Okay, because I think it, do, it can do email notifications and things like that when things change, assigning members to tasks, stuff like that. Cool. All right, so again, we got talking into tools. Um, what other things can we do? So um, another, another paper that it's gonna be on Stellar if you wanna look at it, was basically a survey of distributed teams using Agile processes and giving up some best practices of what worked best for them. And I was nice, and I'm just giving you the uh, summary of that. Um, so one thing they noticed is having a one-team mindset was the thing that got them through um, working together as a group. Um, what do we mean by one team? That the, the group identifies, well first it identifies as a team, like what we talked about before. They all have a, of a, a goal that they're going towards. They all identify as going towards that goal. Um, they don't identify as, as just an a individual group, but that's, a, that's actually a major part of their identity. Um, and for them, it's because that's their 40-hour, 80-hour, 120-hour work days uh, or work, work weeks. Um, something I think you, you're going to have an issue with because you're, only, you're, you're working smaller periods of time. Um, but what they're able to do, the way they're able to do that is they've got these frequent team interactions. And actually, when they're working for a long period of time, they're still, they're, there are people who are working on their own in their home or their home office with another team that's, that's very far away. And yet, these, these teams still do a daily stand-up. Does anybody here do a daily stand-up on their, on their teams right now? So what they're doing is they're going on video. They're talking to each other for a very short period of time about what they've done, what they're going to do what's in their way. Um, the cool thing with daily stand-ups and why they think this works for them, 
there's, it goes back to those, those um, seven items I listed about how do you get people engaged on a team. It shows commitment. Um, the fact that there are some people, that there are people who are showing up to, to meetings, that there is some kind of personal sacrifice. Some people are meeting at a very strange hour of the day that they're not normally going to meet. Um, and they're doing that because of the team. They're sacrificing something personal for the team. Everyone else on the team sees that. They see that kind of commitment. They feel, they feel like they need to reflect that back themselves. Also, trust. And in this particular case, it's the trust of not letting meetings take too long. These daily stand-ups really should only take 10 minutes. Um, a, an effective team can do it in five. Um, an effective 10-person team, 30 seconds each, go. Everyone says what they've done. Everyone sees each other's faces. The great thing about seeing each other's faces is you can see what stage of fear and anxiety they're in. Then you can then talk to them later and have some other personal interactions with them. Um, the other thing they do is they, they do co-located work. Um, they've got money sometimes, so they're flying people back and forth. Um, but again, they're also doing co-located work by doing things using, having Skype always on in the background while they're working together. But they're not doing it the entire time. They can't afford that. So one thing you can do is to schedule your co-located time at the beginning of the project, which is just basically what we've been doing in class um, for the past few weeks. At identifying important milestones and making sure you've scheduled a co-located period during that milestone, right before that milestone, is going to help you greatly. Doing instruct teams and doing video chat. And here's a big one we haven't talked about in class so much, um, but I get the impression that some of you might be interested in this kind of thing. Um, having coaches. So we've already, so we've already seen some of the teams um, have a dedicated scrum master or producer. Think about having a dedicated coach. So someone who's on your team, who is there to cultivate team spirit, um, they're going to emphasize the importance of one team. They could be your scrum master or producer, but they don't actually should, they, they're not actually the same role. The scrum master or the producer is measuring productivity. They're measuring tasks, um, how well things get done. Um, the coach is a very different, they're looking at how people interact with each other, how people talk to each other, how people work with each other. Oftentimes, people who are naturally inclined to do one can be inclined to do the other, but that's not always the case. Um, so if you have someone on your team who is one of those extroverted, outgoing, or even introverted, but really interested in what individuals do one-on-one -on -one and how individuals work, um, see if you can um, incorporate some coaching strategies uh, with, with your teammates. And again, you can do one-on-one -on -one meetings, um, and we can talk about this in the future. If you're interested in this kind of stuff, we can, op we can unpack on this topic and talk about it further. Um, but I highly recommend it. All right, so um, I did mention meetings. Um, you do have Agile meetings. These people have Agile meetings. Um, these are what they are. Hopefully you're doing. So who has a formal sprint process where you plan your sprint before you start? So you create a task. You basically, you create your sprint task list at a, at a meeting. Is everyone there, or that's when you're saying not everyone's there? Okay. So we do have a formal, like, week by week. Here's what we want to get done. Okay, cool. Um, and, and you had a meeting to do to create that? Okay. Uh, so then you have your daily stand-ups. At the end of the sprint, um, you want to have a sprint review, which is basically the inverse of the sprint planning meeting. You go back and see what you made. Um, hopefully you have a build, and you just basically look at the build, compare the build to the completed tasks, and make sure it matches. The other meeting um, that you may or may not be doing is the Agile retrospective. And that's how did you work this week? 
Is anybody doing that? Is anybody at the end of their sprint talking about, basically talking about the processes of what you did and how you did it? Okay, it's kind of what I expect. Um, I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not doing that. And in particular, if you are doing that and you're making that a face-to-face -face meeting, that's the time when you can talk about some of these interpersonal issues. That's the time when you can talk about your feelings. Uh, that's the time when you can, can open up and, and try to figure out what is about, like why are some of these tasks not getting um, taken on, um, who's not doing them, and what's in their way uh, from doing them. But really, it's not, it's not about the, it's not really about what's in their way, it's difficult to talk about. It's not about what's in their way, but it might be about what outside of the project and outside of the team could be in their way. And you can, can you work through some of those kind of issues. So, I'm done. What I'd like you to do before you go and work in your teams is schedule a sprint retrospective. So think, look, take a look at your, sprint, at your sprint process. How long is your sprint? Is it one week or two weeks? Um, we've been assuming it's a one week, week process, one week sprints. Um, schedule a time period that everyone can attend and a time, a, an amount of time that they can attend that they can see each other face to face but not necessarily are in the same room. If they can be in the same room, awesome. If you can't, try to figure out a, a time that you can chat using Google Hangout or some other kind of video chat, some other kind of face-to-face -face video chat. Um, make sure the meeting is focused on talking about your processes. So don't talk about your game. Don't talk about the work that you've done. Talk about how you organize yourself. Um, and in particular, talk about your interpersonal matters. Talk about, um, basically communicate about communicating. So talk about how you are talking to each other. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna talk to you about this again in a couple weeks. And in a couple weeks, I'm gonna give you some more, um, act, once you're actually in the process of, I think most of you right now are probably in the concepting phase, pre-production phase right now. You're still kind of figuring out your game. You haven't quite, like I guess you, got, you guys are actually working on your back end because someone did the initial design for you. Uh, the rest are probably still working out that design phase. Uh, when I talk about this again, you'll likely be in full on um, production mode. And so some of the, the activities I'm going to show you might hopefully help when you're doing these meetings. Any questions? Okay, so it's 1.50. Go ahead and take a few minutes to uh, break, and then the rest of the class is yours to work in your teams. But still, do this. You can leave there. You can leave Thank you.